You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Gaurav Gupta. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. You mentioned the subtitle of the book, which is all around uncertainty and volatility. And the reason we talk about uncertainty and volatility is because what has become increasingly clear over the last sort of couple of decades is the context we're operating in right now is an extremely, extremely uncertain context. And in an extremely uncertain context where change is coming at us faster and faster, the old model where you had, you know, a few people in an organization who were sort of designated as leaders and who were the ones who would set direction, who would look for what changes were necessary, who would, you know, consider what strategies were required and then tell everybody else what to do just doesn't work anymore because there's too much happening too fast for a few people to handle it. And so if you want to have successful businesses, successful organizations, successful social movements, um, and social movements, by the way, have done a much better job of this in history, you have to create more leadership from more people. You have to get more people engaged with the idea of looking for threats, looking for opportunities, and then taking action to pivot when, when necessary. And so all of our work at Carter is helping organizations do that. Right, is helping organizations, particularly when they're in, in a situation where they're going through some sort of a large-scale change, so whether that's a, a restructuring effort or a merger or an acquisition or a digital transformation, in those situations, how do you uh, create the environment as a leader? How do you create an environment that allows more people to tap into their want-to, that allows more people to engage and, in, in a way that that empowers them to actually take action and, and actually to that, that moves you closer to your goal. And so there's a few components to that. The first one is being really clear about what you're trying to achieve and what your opportunity is. The second one then is making sure that you are getting wide perspective in terms of what direction you're setting, how you communicate that. So it's not just a cascade from the top down into the organization, but you actually leverage peer-to-peer communication and you get, you know, people are much more likely to receive or much more receptive to a message from people who they trust, from people who they know well. And so if you can get a peer-to-peer engagement strategy rather than a you know, push down from the top, uh, you're going to get more people on board. And so all of these sort of strategic or, or, or tactics uh, are to create an environment within, more pe- within which more people uh, are going to want to lead and are going to want to provide the leadership that's needed to make change. My personal view is it's not going to go back to the way it was, and it shouldn't, right? We should look to make it better. We should look to find better ways to do this. So, you know, what are some of your frustrations in watching uh, the the slowness of change or progress? Clearly, there's some things that we could do better. No, absolutely. It's hard. To, it's hard to not get too political, but I'll uh, I'll make two comments. One is I'll say. You know, since you mentioned the U.S. and you mentioned the polarization in America at the moment and the inability to move forward and make change, honestly, I think that drives from a whole host of reasons that are that are leading to this. But it isn't it isn't it isn't good intent in trying to drive change, right? That's the problem at the moment. It's almost like the storytelling doesn't help because the storytelling is too my partisan base. The storytelling is too my partisan base. I'm not trying to tell a story that that unifies everybody or I'm not being successful in doing that. So I almost don't want to use that example because of, because of that reason. But if I think about climate change, right, coming out of COP26, I think where we are failing uh, as leaders in, in, in that venue is we aren't telling a good story. Uh, the story is only about 
um, the, the horrors of climate change. And, and that's not to say we don't need to tell that part of the story, but if that's the only story we tell, for the people who are already bought in and the people who are already supportive of big change, that works. But if I'm somebody who is not supportive, if I'm somebody who's sort of going, ah, I'm not so sure about this, I don't know how much I wanna change my life, I don't know how much I wanna sort of how much I wanna do differently because of this, the more I hear those stories, unless they personally impact me, I just shut down. I just go, I don't wanna hear about that, right? And, and I think what, we, what we've gotta be able to do is tell stories about, and I mentioned this earlier, but tell stories about what are the positive opportunities in tackling climate change. And the more we tell those stories, and I don't think we're doing a good job of that at the moment. I mean, there are pockets and we're doing it in pockets, but as a wider narrative, that's what's missing. And that's what's frustrating for me when I look at sort of the efforts on, on climate change is it is very much focused only on sort of the, the, the negative aspects of what has already happened, as opposed to the positive aspects of what we can create. And I think that's what we need to be able to tell a, a better story around. Exactly. We're all shareholders or stakeholders in this planet, and we have to feel like the benefits, the quality of life, the air we breathe and the water and so many things, the food we eat, um, that we feel that we're invested in it. I'm, I I love to see. I mean, that's what we, we try to do at One Planet. But again, it's you're dealing with you have to also know your audience. And that is people want to feel good about doing things. Often the decisions I make are gut intuitive heart decisions, right? It's based on how I feel. It's based on what, what, what my feeling is in the moment. And then, yes, I use my logic to justify the decision that I've made, right? I use my, my logic to say, oh, that's why I made that decision. But in reality, we're actually more often than we give it credit, making decisions based on how we feel. And that's why when, when leaders communicate about change, it's so important to not just speak to the intellectual side of things. You've got to speak to the emotionally compelling side of things as well, right? You've got to speak to why is this good from a logical, factual basis, but also how is this going to make people feel? How is this going to make people, why is this going to make people want to engage? And that's going to all be, you know, heart. That's going to be all about emotions and, and, it's, and you've got to have an emotionally compelling story in addition to the, to the intellectually compelling story. Yes, definitely. To get to inspire that kind of long-term change that we're really invested in, what we want to do instead of what we have to do, as you say. We think a lot with this initiative about the future, and I know that you're also, of course, with Carter International, very forward-looking. And we think about the kind, what kind of world do we want to live in? What kind of world are we leaving for the next generation? As you reflect on these things and our current systems, what kind of changes would you like to see take place as you communicate with young people? What would you like them to know, preserve and remember? You know, I think for me, a lot of it is about how do we democratize the idea of leadership? Because we've gotten to this point where, and there's a whole reason why, and there's a history behind it in terms of how organizations have evolved and coming out of the industrial age, they were all about command and control because the purpose of the organization was to create reliability and efficiency and consistency. But what that's meant is that we've ended up with a construct where in most of our, at least organizational life, we view it as there's a few people who are responsible for taking the big decisions, who are responsible for setting the direction. And everybody else has to, you know, do what they're told kind of thing. And then, and then, you know, eventually maybe get to that. 
And the more we can, and when I say democratizing leadership, I don't necessarily mean that we need flat hierarchies within organizations, right? Because that's one way to do it. But I think there are reasons why we want to maintain some of the hierarchies we have now. But what I mean is, how do we get more people to be um, both looking out for opportunities and threats, then being empowered to actually take action, make decisions, being able to experiment, right? Agility means being able to experiment. It means being able to make mistakes. It means being able to learn from those mistakes. And so, I, I, you know, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see more organizations operate in that way, operate in a way where you, you, you've created an environment where everyone in the organization is empowered to look out for changes that are coming, is empowered to take action against those changes, is empowered to pivot and, and, and make different decisions. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.